Today's reading is from Luke 1, 26, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is, her sixth, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Hello, hello everybody. My name is Jack and I'm part of the staff team here at Christchurch and it's so great to be with you this evening. As we flick through the family photo album of Jesus, uh, the page turns to a picture of Mary. Before we delve any deeper into this passage, close your eyes for a minute for me and picture Mary. What do you see? Who do you see? It's been said that if Joseph is the forgotten character of the nativity, then Mary is probably the most misunderstood. Our vision of her is clouded by primary school nativities, blue smocks and tea towels. I grew up in Catholic primary and secondary education, so my image of Mary is ever more shrouded in songs, some in Welsh, statues and a kind of general aura of veneration. My family also collect nativities. We've got about 60 at the house at Christmas and we have so many different versions of Mary. And I just think this evening, I'd love us to look at who Mary really was and get past the image that we have of her in our heads. Later, we'll sing a carol that says, Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. But she is so much more than just a mum. At the age of 14 or 15, she became the first person to say yes to Jesus. The first Christian, the first disciple. What can we learn from her? We're going to be looking at Mary's decision and then her discipleship. So firstly, her decision. Despite her circumstances, Mary is immediately curious about this offer from God. This visitation by Gabriel, for many people, could be considered an awful thing. <laughs> I think we almost imagine Mary as a bored kind of 18, 19 year old. Imagine all the students who've gone home now just wishing they weren't living at home, you know, just kind of sweeping the floor with nothing to do. And then, wow, excitement. God is here. Big, like, assignment. It's a mission. But actually, Mary was a young girl, maybe 13, 14, 15, engaged to be married, really excited probably about all that was happening. This is, you know, this is the, it's so exciting. She's about to, to be married, the, the part of the ceremony has already happened and there's, there's more to come. Living with her parents in kind of keen anticipation to be with Joseph. Everything's great, her life is planned, it's all set, she knows where she's going. 
And then in the midst of that, she has told something of huge magnitude. Imagine yourself at 14 or 15. Imagine yourself being told something so, so big. We may have had stomach drop moments recently. I remember hearing a few weeks ago that my family had caught COVID-19 and immediately my stomach drops. And then hilariously, I start to panic that I might have to isolate despite having not seen them for months. It's really funny how fear kind of sets in quickly and automatically. The angel comes to Mary, which is probably scary enough, and tells Mary that she is highly favoured and that the Lord is with her. Now, this feels like the pleasant bit, but it's the only bit in the story that, that Mary is scared of. It's the only bit that shocks her, that deeply troubles her. Like, it's literally the email header and not even the main body of text. She hasn't even heard what God wants her to do. She's not scared by what she's told next. She's scared that God has sent a messenger to her. But the message, all the messenger said is that she's all right. She's highly favoured. I wonder if we would be surprised if God sent a messenger to tell us that we are highly favoured. Before we look any further at Mary's calling, I want to tell you now, whoever is watching, that God loves you and he sees you. He wants to know you more and he sent a messenger down to tell you exactly that and his name is Jesus. We're obviously going to explore him a little bit later on in this nativity narrative as we explore these characters, but I want to acknowledge that Jesus loves you and he wants to know you more. That's why he came. So Mary is told this, but then the real news comes. She's pregnant. And I think the truly scary thing about what Mary was asked to do is that she was asked to bear the consequences for something she hadn't done. You know, the immediate question would be, well, have, have Mary and Joseph broken the vows they've made to not be intimate until after the wedding? Or even worse, has Mary gone sleeping around? This is like a proper gossip fest, a scandal. To Mary, this means basically the end of her life as she knows it, the end of her life as she's planned it. Everything that she was looking forward to is gone. The wedding is off. She's a divorced woman, if she's lucky. Her relationship and her reputation is gone. It, it probably means the end of her life. And, and really, she had every reason to worry. Without an angel visiting Joseph, he would have divorced her quietly and things could have gone south quickly. But how does Mary actually respond? With curiosity. How can this be, she asks. Now, I think I would probably respond by laughing or crying or running, and I do not run. <laughs> to this frankly terrifying proposal, she responds simply with, OK, but how? You know, if this is the plan, I need the details. She's immediately willing to contemplate the cost of carrying Christ. She's immediately willing to contemplate the cost of carrying Christ. This is slightly different to how Zechariah responds, who we looked at last week. He responds in doubt when she responds in curiosity. In essence, he says, how can this be possible? Who are you to tell me this? You don't know my situation. Who are you? To which Gabriel has to be like, I'm Gabriel, listen up. But Mary says, how can this be possible? You know my situation as well as I do. You know that I'm a virgin. You know that this cannot happen. She basically asks, where is God in this? And Gabriel responds in two ways. Firstly, he says that she will be enfolded in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon her and overshadow her. 
It makes me think of that line from the song, The Blessing, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. God with us, Emmanuel. And this word overshadow that is used is linked to this, to the kind of cloud of presence. That's a cloud of presence that went with the people of Israel in the wilderness that would descend on the temple. This same manifest presence of God would dwell in her, the word made flesh. It's also the same concept as when the Holy Spirit hovered over the unformed earth in the creation narrative. That is obviously the Holy Spirit hovering over the unformed earth. This same creative spirit conceives Jesus, hovers over Mary's womb and from nothing creates life. So Gabriel says this, but then he says, and if that doesn't seem possible, look at your relative Elizabeth. She's the opposite. She's the opposite end of the spectrum. She's been trying to conceive for decades and hasn't been able to, but look at her now. Nothing is impossible with God. From the seeming absence of God, how, how can this happen? Where is God in this? We get real presence and real proof. So Mary makes the decision. She takes a deep breath and says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And realistically, what she doesn't know is that her decision not only fulfills the word of an angel, but the words of many, many prophets and even the word spoken in the very beginning. And, and the thing is, Mary's not only willing to consider this and ask the question, after this short explanation, after the presence and the proof, she says yes. She decides to follow her curiosity, despite her circumstance, despite all that could happen, and be obedient to God's will. Some of us may need to make a decision now to give something up, like Mary did because God wants us to. Some of us may need to choose to entertain the bigger picture, to look beyond the terrifying horizon because God can see more than us. We can trust that he knows more. Now in that moment, Mary could have seen all the terrifying things ahead, all of the awful things that could happen to her. You know, not only the relationship and the reputation lost, but the responsibility gained, she'd become a mother. We live in really strange times where the future is uncertain. But with this story, we have hindsight on our side. We don't, let's not forget this. We know the full picture, but Mary doesn't. Imagine the five minutes after the angel disappears, where Mary hadn't told anybody about what lay ahead. Who does she tell first? What does she say? How does she even start? Imagine the fear creeping in, but the determination that this is what her God has called and anointed her to do. Just imagine that moment. I remember in my first year of university when God was speaking loads to me about my future. And I will tell you now, I was not expecting to be working here, but God is good and he has a plan. Somebody at an Alpha course, um, they gave me the image of a tapestry and that's a well-known image. And I can't actually remember where it originally came from. And I even have a visual aid from my lovely, lovely Nan. Um, this is a very lovely tapestry of, I think, a wine decanter and some grapes and a pineapple. Thank you, Nan. It will, it's treasured. Um, I don't know where the image came from originally, but the image is kind of in essence is this. As God weaves the tapestry of our lives, we must trust that he has a plan. He sees the full picture. 
He knows where every knot and stitch and pull will lead. Now we may only see the back of the tapestry, a tangle of threads, cords and knots, ends of string hanging off. Now this one is actually very neat. Well done, Nan. But patterns vaguely indicating what the front might entail, but, but nothing like the beauty of the plan fully formed. Now we, with hindsight, see the full picture. And obviously, in the nativity story, it does not include a pineapple or a lemon slice. But we know the end of Mary's story. We know what this decision entails. But we remember that she doesn't know at this point. She says yes without knowing where this would lead her. And often in our lives, when we have to say yes to Jesus, we don't either. The story doesn't end with her decision. We must look at her discipleship which kind of requires us to look past this passage. We need to consider that she had to carry Christ. She has to physically carry this baby. In nativity plays, we kind of go, Mary and Joseph are gonna have a baby. Oh, look, a census, off they go to Bethlehem, done. Baby's born. Mary was pregnant for a long time. This is nine months. We've been in lockdown for about nine months. This isn't a divine virgin birth that just means Jesus is born immediately and conveniently at the age of 30, ready to leave home and preach. Mary has nine months of pregnancy and then many years of motherhood. Mary doesn't only have to make a decision to accept Jesus, but bear the daily cost of carrying him. And the thing is, she not only carries him, she travels a long way to confirm Gabriel's news about Elizabeth and then back and then to Bethlehem. You know, I thought only being able to see people outside for walks was upping my step count. Imagine the energy expended by all that travelling on this young, pregnant girl. How willing are we to carry Jesus in our lives? To bear the cost of carrying him every day? Do you think Mary felt favoured as she bore the shame inflicted on her by those in her village whose opinions of her would have like, drastically changed upon hearing the news that she was pregnant? Would she have felt favoured as she had morning sickness or as she gave birth? Would she have felt favoured many years later when she saw her son, now fully grown, being shoved and pushed out of their hometown of Nazareth? As she saw him die on a cross, as she cradled his body in her arms, lifeless, in such contrast to the life in her arms in that stable. Being favoured by God does not mean life is easy. Being a disciple is the narrow path, not the wide path. This is a daily decision to follow God. My favourite verse in a carol, my favourite descant in a carol, is the last verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. And I don't really know if that's because the tune of the descant is so glorious or because the words are so gorgeous. The words say this, we sang it this morning, it's beautiful. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Come and abide with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Will we carry Jesus? Will we be the light shining in the darkness? Will we be like Mary, willing to entertain the bigger picture, curious and contemplating the cost of carrying Christ? Will we allow Jesus to be born in us today? Or will we be like the innkeepers of Bethlehem saying that? There's no room at the inn. There's no room in my life, in my busy Christmas season for Jesus. 
As we respond now in worship, let's consider what does it mean for us to carry Jesus past this Christmas season and into 2021? What is the cost involved? And are we willing to say yes to God's plan, whatever the impact might be? Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you firstly that you used this woman, Mary, and that you chose her to to be the mother of Jesus. Thank you that you came down because you wanted to know us. Father, would you dwell in us? Would you be born in us today? Would we know that as you grow in us, this process of becoming more like you? Father, would we know your peace this Christmas? And would other people see you in us? Would they see you born in us this Christmas? Amen.